Welcome, everybody, to the Tradey Business School podcast. Anthony Vazari here, the Senior Business Consultant here at the Tradey Business School, and I'm joined by the awesome Barry William Magliadidi, my co-host today, and we are talking about sales, how to sell more without being salesy. Barry, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. Nice to uh, be in an episode with you. I know, man. It's, it's been a while in the making. Um, I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts, but it's good that I'm stepping in, taking over a bit. Um, this is a really interesting topic, and I've never actually spoken to you one-on-one on this topic, but um, like personally, I think sales is everything. What are your thoughts on sales? Like In your business journey, you've been in business many years. Just overall, if someone said sales, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind to you, Barry? Yeah, look, I think sales gets a bit of a bad rap and there's a lot of negative connotations of sales. Like I know for a lot of people, the image that gets loaded up is the sleazy car salesman that, you know, talks you into your first $7,000 bomb that barely makes out of the car yard, you know. But but in all honesty, I guess my perception of sales has changed a lot over the years because I never deemed myself as a salesperson even though I sold millions of dollars worth of kitchens and bathroom innovations, I sold millions of dollars worth of coaching and millions of dollars worth of other products and services since. To me, I think that a sale is presupposed providing that there's the right fit between product and service and consumer. And I think this is where I notice a lot of um, tradies and, and contractors maybe get a little bit caught up because they try to sell right, yeah. or they try to make the sale, whereas the reality is, is is that if you're showing up, asking the right questions, actually jumping into the world of your client, if what their, their need and their requirement, their problem challenge is, fits that in which your business provides, the sale happens easily or the transaction yeah. happens easily. It's when you're trying to kind of sell everyone everything or you're not really giving a shit about your clients that I think you start falling into this realm of like being salesy. No, I absolutely agree. And I think you said an important point there is you never saw yourself as a salesperson. Um, and I think it's important when you're running a business, at the end of the day, like you, you're in sales, whether you see yourself as a salesperson or not, you're in sales. And I speak to many business owners that say, I don't like sales. I don't like the word sales. Like I'm a builder, I'm a carpenter, I'm a plumber, I'm not a salesperson. If you're running a business at the end of the day, your priority is to sell. Now, it's very important that you believe in the product or the service that you're offering because you have an ethical obligation. If, if you're providing a service that's going to solve a problem from your potential client or your potential customer, your potential prospect, you've got to take the position that it's your obligation to sell that person because they need what you have. You've got the solution to their problem. So it would be unethical for you then to not display certainty in your product or in your service to get them to buy that. And I think that's where a lot of people get disconnected. Um, I'm a strong believer that all sales is, is a transference of certainty at the end of the day. If you're not certain in your product, or if you're selling something that you don't actually believe in, get out of there. I think one of the most important skills that we can have as entrepreneurs and business owners is the ability to generate interest or attract our ideal prospects and to converse and convert those prospects into a sale, so marketing and sales. I think I would like to change the word salesman to fit finder, right? 
Like think about you're on site and one of your machines is broken down. You've got to pull this thing apart and, and fix whatever's going on internally. And so you go and look and you're like, okay, it's got a, a 10 millimeter nut on, on this bolt. You wouldn't go and get a, a nine mil or an 11 mil or, you know, a half inch shifter or, or sorry, spanner to go to try to loosen this nut because either A, it's not going to fit or B, you're going to strip the thing trying to get it off. And I, I think this is where I see a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners uh, make mistakes, especially early on, is because they basically sell anyone with a credit card or a pulse, right? Yeah. And what that relates to is, is what we find a lot of a lot of traders and general contractors that rock up into our programs are working with a whole bunch of clients that they don't enjoy working with, but are pains in the ass and aren't paying what that business owner's worth because they're casting a net and trying to catch everything as opposed to really honing down on like, what's my core skill set in this field that I want to focus on, which number one, makes it easier to attract the right type of clientele and sell them. Number two, you can charge a premium because you become an expert in industry. And number three, it allows your business to scale a lot faster and more effectively because it's easy to systemize fewer products and services than a broader range of products and services. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I wanted to ask you a question on that because you've been in business for many, many years now. What's the evolution of the way you approach sales and, and what difference did you notice within the businesses that you set up as you started growing and had a better understanding of niching down, detaching from the outcome, not trying to cast that net over everyone? What did you notice, Barry? Yeah, I went through a few I guess a few cycles. Like initially, I remember when I went out in my kitchen and bathroom manufacturing business, didn't kind of start out of that. It started out as me running an ad in the paper, you know, general handyman, no job too big or small. And so I was kind of taking on work from most people, but I had this desire inside to ensure that every job I did was amazing, right? I prided myself. I remember three years into that business, I prided myself on something I said in the quoting phase is like, I've never been back to a job. Now, anyone that knows who's been around long enough in business knows that that's not sustainable long-term, especially hiring a team. But one thing I found back then is that I was very, very, very knowledgeable about my trade. And so I could have a conversation with somebody. And even though I didn't know sales, I had no sales training at all. Looking back now, having had sales training and knowing the fundamentals and the psychology behind sales, I was instilling certainty inside of my buyer. I was absolutely certain on, on who I was, what I was doing, and, and being able to deliver an a great job, which they felt. The value was there, right? But also the knowledge was there. I was educating my market. I was educating my, my prospects on what needed to be done and why it needed to be done and the importance of it being done. And there was an aspect of, of charisma around me. And that was why I won a ton of work very early on before having sales training. Now, when I opened up the coaching company, that changed a lot. Because even though I knew coaching, I didn't have the same little certainty in me as what I had. You know, I'd been building stuff since I could walk, Anthony. So I was yeah. always kind of a trade even before I got my ticket, right? Whereas when I was coaching, there wasn't the same little certainty and I wasn't necessarily selling a, a tangible product. And so the issue became is, well, how can I, how can I still show up and how can I have the same level of certainty within doing that. And that was when I started to learn selling and learnt a process of being able to basically elicit an understanding of what's the client actually going through. Now, at the moment that I could really be there for that prospect and really understand where they're at and where they wanted to go, if I knew that I could get them there 
with absolute certainty, the sale became easy right. because they could then buy into my confidence. But the hardest part that I found in the beginning was actually asking the right questions to understand where they're at and where they wanted to go because most of the time they didn't really understand where they're at or what their, their core problems were. They had surface-level problems but not yeah. core problems. And a lot of lot of people back then, the, the clients I was attracting, didn't know where they wanted to go. So if I, I had no reference of start or finish, how was I able to sell a service to get them there? And that was my first challenge. Yeah, no, I'm really glad you brought that up. I've been in the coaching space as well for a while. And I remember one of my mentors earlier on telling me because I came in as well, like not really understanding the industry, not not really understanding the tangibility of what they're getting. And um, something that was said to me is borrow expertise, like borrow expertise, especially earlier on when you don't have that expertise. And and the, the thing that really stuck with me is if I didn't show up as a person that was certain that I had the solution, which I believed in, on that call, on that conversation or in person, whatever the conversation was, then I'm actually not showing up for the person that's in front of me because they need it. If someone's coming into a into a client conversation or if, if you're going out on site and, and you're, you're trying to quote a job or you're trying to see if you can actually help that person, if you're not showing up with certainty and conviction in your product or your service, the person you're not letting down is yourself like you'll be fine. You're actually letting down your potential prospect because they're not able to step outside their comfort zone. They're not able to, to make change. They're not able to change their situation to fix where they are to where they want to go. So I'm glad you brought up that like understanding the difference from where someone's at to where they think they want to go, being able to stretch that and say, well, well, this is where you, you, you kind of are right now. This is where I think you need to be. This is where you could be. What's actually holding you back from getting there? And what I find a lot of the times, Barry, the number one thing is a lot for me, it's the mindset of being able to get uncomfortable, step outside your comfort zone, make change, and then you know figure out where you want to be and do whatever's necessary to get there. But that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts on how mindset can affect somebody making change, stepping outside that comfort zone, which you know in turn affects a lot of the sales? Yeah, well, in, in my in my construction company, my, my kitchen bathroom renovation business, like I had the certainty because I knew I, I knew the industry, so I knew what I was capable of being able to create or to achieve. Uh, whereas in the coaching business, it's like I had to learn that certainty through bringing clients on board and delivering results. And of course, it got easier the further I went along the same results. I wanted to circle back to something which is still related to what you're saying around the mindset psychology. And I actually believe that there's a layer deeper we can go than certainty or, or confidence, as you mentioned, entity. And I think that it's the word integrity, Right. I, yeah. I have a solid belief that I could sell absolutely anything to anybody provided I believed in the outcome that the thing that I was selling delivered. And I believe that that's his integrity. And I noticed looking back, the only times I've had issues selling or I've had major objections is when I've so- tried to sell a product or service to a client that wasn't a fit. Right? Yeah. I've always, just, just to preface, I've always only sold things that I believe in. However, the variance on that is selling a product service that I believe in to a prospect I don't believe would benefit from it. And looking back, that was when I had issues in selling. That was when I had issues in being able to convert, you know, in brackets, that prospect because there's a lack of integrity. And I believe that the prospect feels that and picks up on that. That's uh, spot on, Barry. Like we we share the same vision with that. I, I remember I came from, 
I just fell into sales. So I didn't have any experience. I, I went to university. I studied, like I came from a marketing background and like a business background and, and management. I remember very vividly, just touching what you said, it just sparked my brain. I remember doing a presentation my final year of uni, uh, final presentation worth pretty much the the whole degree, the, the whole paperwork to get it. And um, it was a presentation with three other people in front of uh, the room of the lecturers, course coordinators there. Um, it was a mock presentation on you had to, you know, pretend you're running this business. At the end of that presentation, my um, my course coordinator says to me, you know, Anthony, you could sell you could sell ice to an Eskimo. I really hope you have a good moral compass because you could use those skills for bad. And I still remember that to this day. Then then later on, I fell into sales, fell into a sales role. I maintain that because I'm very confident now, man. If I believe in something, Barry, I can I can sell anybody anything. So I, I speak with conviction. I speak with certainty. I will never sell anybody anything that I don't think is going to benefit them because what that does is that affects my ability, my confidence, and my certainty and my moral compass that I'm actually doing something wrong. Yeah. And that's why anytime I have someone in front of me, I'm not worried about the sale. I'm more focused on, is there a sale to be made in the first place? Can I actually help this person? And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong in business is every time they go out on site, every time they're meeting with a customer, they're so attached to the sale, but they're not actually focused on, can I genuinely, can I help this person to begin with? Are they going to be a good fit for me? Are they going to be a pain? Do I need this business? So that's where I maintain that strongly, Barry. I am the first person to tell somebody if I can't help them nor if I want to help them or send them away, tell them it's the wrong time. But it's I think if you, you've got an obligation, if you can help them, you help them. It's a very hard mindset to get into though, especially like yeah. if, if someone's listening to this right now, they're like, shit, I can't even afford to put food on the table next week, let alone like knowing where next job's going to come from. Then you're telling me now that I shouldn't sell, sell this client, that's this prospects that's come to me, been referred to me because it's not an ideal fit for my business. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we're saying, right? And why I'm saying that is because I have 18 years of experience in business noticing that every single time me or one of our clients turns away a prospect because they're not the right fit, because they don't align with values and they operate in integrity every single time, they get one, two, three, multiple more clients, better jobs coming through than before, right? But that can't happen if you continue to be everything for everyone. Right? You're not conditioning the universe to send you through your ideal prospects while you're running around just trying to make ends meet. You know, and I'll, I'll never forget one of my earlier mentors said to me, he said, Barry, the stronger your marketing is, the weaker your sales need to be because we were having issues replicating me in the coaching business. And I was like, what do you mean? Like we're generating two, 300 leads a week. He's like, just because you're generating two or 300 leads a week doesn't mean you have good marketing. And, I was, and it took me a while to get my head around. I was like, what do you mean? Like, we're getting two, three hundred leads a week. He's like, yes. But out of those two to three hundred leads, how many of them are actually your ideal prospect? Yeah. How many of them align with a specific product and service that you're offering and would happily pay the fees to get the results that you're giving? And I was like, shit. And that changed my complete focus on my marketing, my marketing messages, my sales messages, all that sort of stuff, Anthony because I wasn't attracting the ideal prospects. And equally too, that had a significant impact to the growth of my company, to my profitability, to my overall well-being. because I started to attract clients I actually wanted to hang out with. 
right? Uh, spot on, spot on. I think the other thing is, as well, Barry, that I look closely at is who are you letting into your circle? Like, for example, we've got a really, really tight community here at the Game Changers, okay? It's like a family, anyone we work with. They get results, they show up, they do the work, we're there to help them. Now, if I am going to sell somebody that I know is not going to get the results, they're not a fit, we can't actually help their business, you've got to look at the effects of that. So back to what you said earlier, I need to sell this person, I need to put food on the table. But what's the what's the long-term effects of you selling someone that you cannot provide for, or you yeah. know they're not at the right stage for your help? Because I know here at the game, if, if we let somebody in in the tradie business school, right, if we let somebody coming in that isn't a good fit or it's not the right time, What's that going to do to the rest of the tribe? It's going to affect them. It's going to it's going to allow them to see um, things aren't going as smoothly as possible. I think Harvard did a study where they put they put one bad employee in a group of ten. Like you put like a, a class D person into a, a group of eight players. It doesn't take very long for that negativity to then flow and affect the rest of the group. So it's really important you have that in the back of your mind that it, it's going to affect your business, your finances, your team, your cash flow, your jobs long term if you're not actually selling, you know, the right people if you can't help them. Yeah, look, for any tradies or contractors on the on the you know listening to this or watching this right now, like think about it. You know, I guarantee every single one of you have had at least one memory of selling somebody that wasn't an ideal fit because you needed the money or you thought, you know what, we can do the job. I almost guarantee that job went to shit. I almost guarantee that job you didn't make much money on, you pulled your hair out over, you ran over schedule, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Same with any time you discount to win a job. I found every single time my trades business, every time I discounted a job, they were always the jobs that were going to go wrong. The jobs that I that I showed up, that I charged the price I needed to do the job properly, to make a margin, to allow my company to grow healthily, and every time I sold the right client, is those jobs were always flawless. They went in without a hitch. They went in easily. I made good money on. I got good referral rate. I got good repeat business. And so I guess you know what I'd love is is for each of you to think about right now. Like, do you actually have a sales process in place? Do you have a process that basically allows all the opportunity out there to filter through in such a way that the people that you speak to and quote for, first and foremost, are clients you actually want to work for? And secondly, the ones that then do come on, you've charged the right margin, they align to your values personally and both professionally within the company, and they're clients that you happily work for again and again and again. And if the answer is no, it's maybe time to start to think about how you could turn that around. Spot on. Yeah, I think if everyone listening needs to write down those questions, go back and, and actually answer those questions. And you've got to understand you can always change who you're attracting. You can change your marketing, you can change yourself. You can get rid of your, your worst nightmare client that's bringing in the most money and it's going to a- allow you to free up space for somebody else to fill that spot who does match your values, who aligns with your vision, your mission, your values. Everyone will be happy and you're going to be making more money. So that's my biggest recommendation. Um, Barry, this has been an awesome episode. Is any 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 last sales wizard wizardry knowledge you want to drop? Yeah, just to kind of, I guess, further embed the principles we're talking about here. There's a client that came on board, uh, Kevin Bracken. I'm not sure if he was someone yep. you spoke to or not. And one of the first things he did was go through a process we have in the Trading Business School. And what he identified that they were doing, 
I think 16 or 18 million at that point in time a year. They were, they were a larger client. And he went through a process and realized that a big part of their business, one particular service they were offering was not profitable. And until that point in time, until that exercise with us, it had kind of be hidden under the other products and services that were profitable. And when he noticed this, he had a bit of a dilemma. I remember him writing into the group to, to get feedback from all the members and sort of said, hey, like, what do I do? If we cut this, this product, this service out of our business, it's X amount of revenue that at the moment is not profitable anyway, and it's a huge amount of team members that we have to let go. Like, what do we do? And I, I advised him on the fact that he kind of had two choices. One is to, to either make that part of the business profitable, but he realised it wasn't something he was deeply passionate about anyway, or two was to basically cut it off and see if either A, he could speak to his current employees, if there was someone that wanted to take on that business as their own and grow their own business on the side and maybe Kevin could have remained a shareholder or a partner in it or was there a competitor they could have sold it to. Now, long story short, he cut off that aspect of business, had some hard conversations with staff. His business was wildly profitable within 90 days of working with us and now they've grown to I think it's over 22 million just in the last couple of years, niching down specifically. So just remember that there's absolutely no strategic advantage being second in the marketplace. Yeah. Right? There's a, there's a, there's a hundred thousand hundred thousand plumbers out there, electricians, ex, you know, landscapers. But how can you be niche in specifically what you do, and then how can you tailor your marketing message, the way that you're perceived in the marketplace, your whole entire sales process and customer journey in such a way that you only attract that type of client because that's how you have a competitive advantage. That's how you grow an incredibly profitable business, and that's how you can have a business. It's fully systemized and work without you. Well said. I think understanding your numbers as well really comes down to it. Because even if you're attracting the right type of people, guys, if you're not if you're not charging enough margin, well, are they really your ideal fit? So um, touching on that, Barry, I think um, where can everybody go to get some more resources um, and find out a bit more about you know what we do and how we help? Yeah, probably is this way. We have a pretty awesome um, free Facebook community. I know people have this stuff against Facebook, but we but at the moment it is a platform. We have a pretty amazing uh, Facebook community. There's about 2,000 tradies in there. Uh, it's called Tradies and General Contractors Global. It's completely free to join. And every week we're giving away resources, templates, training, stuff that we use inside of our programs because ultimately, you know, we have a vision at Trading Business School to help trades grow profitable businesses that come up without them. Now, some decide that uh, they want to, save a bunch of time and money by investing in us to partner with them and work with them and help them to grow. Others just want to hang in the background but can still benefit from these free resources. So, um, you know, if you are trades and doing quotation business, you wanting to make more money, you wanting to get this stuff uh, fixed up and sorted out, jump in the group, interact with us and the rest of the members and uh, enjoy all the free content, templates and cheat sheets we give you there. Perfect. So that's the Tradies and General Contractors Global Facebook group. Um, everybody check that out. And I'd also go back and write down those questions and, and have, have a real good hard think and answer them correctly. Are you attracting the right type of people? Barry, it's been an awesome episode. Thanks, Anthony. Looking yeah, thanks forward to the next one. Bye, guys. 